podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tech This Podcast. I almost forgot the name of our podcast for a split oh, second. Okay. I'm Daniel. It's your boy Double H. We record the Talking Tactics podcast every week. Thank you for listening. Um, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, at Talking Tactics, Instagram, Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it on the show. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. Shout out to if you guys you over us, there. If you see us on the streets, say hello. I'm not really on the street due to the global pandemic, but you know, maybe 2021, well, if you see me, mm-hmm. say hi. What, whatever podcast app you're listening on, subscribe. And uh, if you want to drop some some money in our collection plate, yeah, this is like church announcements. Okay, if yeah. if you want if you want to help the building fund, Cheap if, you want, if you want to help Pastor get his new car, go to patreon.com forward slash talking tactics. Link is in the description, and there's only one tier. It's three dollars a month, um, and you get access to all the back catalog podcasts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if so, you yeah. want to hear three quarters of black people talk about the deep stuff, man, it's time for to be a patron. Man. There you go. So maybe I'll, I'll add your like official yeah, man, add website. Me up, add me up, man. Add me up. I'll do that. I'll do that. Don't add my OnlyFans. It's not yet finished yet. I'm still working on it. Thank Did you. you. Completely unrelated. Did you see that Dr. Umar now has an OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> he said it's it's only for politics. Nothing <laughs> because you know consciousness consciousness over cookies, politics <laughs> over punati. No, because because what it says like. Has Uma like sold out? Like, is he? No, no, no. Yeah, I, I hope he's not like revealing himself behind a paywall. Please anyway, go. I think we probably already knew what would happen with Liverpool and Arsenal, but we needed to see it just to make sure. Arsenal got the lead through Lacazette, really more so a Robertson mistake, and then Lacazette capitalizes. But after that, Liverpool respond very quickly. Mane gets a goal. Um, Robertson actually scored the second yeah. goal, making up for his mistake. And then the third goal was help me out Jota actually. Yeah. He, he well, came it on. Was, it was a deflection from Bellerin, I think. Was it? Was it? Yeah, it was a deflection. It was a deflection. Did it go down as an OG? It was one of those things where it was not a massive deflection, but it hit someone. But it would go down as his goal. You know so what happened? Like a... As as soon as as soon as Jota scored, I turned the game off because I was like, well, there's no point really to watch the rest of this because it was so late. I was like, there's mm. there's there's no point. So, um, although I am made aware that on Sky Sports, Klopp and Keane had some beef. Yeah, I was I was hearing something that we were supposed to tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. What happened? Well, it was um, you you know how managers like uh, they'll have the headphones on and they'll be listening to the broadcast yeah before their interview, mm-hmm. and apparently Keane said something to the effect of Liverpool had some sloppy moments, and Klopp heard the word sloppy, mm-hmm. and he was like, "What do you mean sloppy? Like we played a really good team in Arsenal." Um, we didn't make that many mistakes. Um, so he took offense almost to the word sloppy. And Keane almost had to kind of backtrack off it and say, oh, you guys weren't sloppy. You were just sloppy in moments. But but because it's Keane and he's everybody's hard man, when mm. Klopp challenges him, therefore there's like, oh, they got beef. Uh, Klopp wanted to punch up Keane. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. So Keane sets himself up in that way because of who he's been his whole career. That if anybody comes up to him and challenges him and he doesn't meet that energy yeah, yeah, he, with like even greater of offensive energy, whole image. then he's coming off like he's softer than what he appears. But you know what, what they always say? They say that... Because um, this was the saying in, in a poster in my school that I saw that yeah, football is a gentleman's sport played by thugs Rugby is like a thug sport played by gentlemen. But the fact of the matter is that no football player will ever want smoke with a rugby player. <laughs> those guys that you see with the... You know what cauliflower ear is? So those guys that you see with the cauliflower ear and everything either like mixed martial artists or they, they're in the scrum in rugby. And you meet these guys, these guys are the most well-behaved and everything. But football players like to think they are tough and hard men because they can go hard and tackle. Put them in a fight with any of these rugby players, they'd be lubricated it like... It's a second. Where were we? No, no. Okay, I'll, let me tell you this about the match. Is that I knew Liverpool were going to win, mm. but I was surprised by how dominant Liverpool were and how inept Arsenal were. Like Liverpool really dominated them, but that's how funny for football is. As much as Liverpool controlled them, you know, like I said, had two one v ones. The first, the, the 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 first one was perhaps offside. No, no, no it wasn't. It, it it came off um, thingy. Andy Robertson, so it can't be offside. Oh, oh, I, I thought you, I thought you meant in the second half where he had he had, he technically he had three one v ones, right? Because he had the first one that he I scored the goal off. Two. He had it the first be... one he scored the goal off. Then there was another one that he he tried to Fetch chip it. Yeah, 
yeah, he tried to chip, and then there was another one where he, I guess he, figured, yeah, just one vote. He just hit it straight out. Yeah, Allison. like that that chip thing didn't work, so I'm just gonna yeah, try to shoot it a bit heck? more direct. Um, and you see, this is the funny thing. Hey, let's talk tactics. <laughs> oh I get to why um, Aubameyang is out on the left because people will say, wait a minute, he's your best striker. Put your best finisher as the striker. But then football has evolved where the new strikers are the inside forwards and mm-hmm. most teams now attack out wide and their wide men are pretty much their, their, their goal scorers, especially on the counter. It makes sense to him. And let's just hit it out wide at the Aubameyang and let him like ISO be 1v1 with, with, with someone and put it on his right and say, what's up? But if he was in the middle, those two opportunities fall to Aubameyang. And at the very least, I think he maybe score, he scores both. At the very least, he's scoring one of those because mm. those were two very bad attempts at a, at a finish by Lacazette. Aubameyang would have scored at least one or two of those. Do you remember PSG in like the mid-2010s? where Cavani was always beefing because he was being played out wide because Ibrahimovic was the central striker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if these days, if he wouldn't have as much beef as maybe like eight years ago or whenever it was. It was just mm. like, look, yeah, we get to play out wide and Ibrahimovic in theory could help bring me in. But maybe Ibrahimovic is so greedy of a striker that that was never but, but, like but a you thing. See, but you see, no, you see, that's why, let's, let's use that example. What Firmino does, Ibrahimovic wants to do. Right, right. That's Same that's thing with like Benzema. It's like, they know that, all right, I may, I may be in the middle, but I am like this kind of evolved playmaker where I'm Giroud. here to... Yeah, Giroud if, if we want to keep it in an Arsenal context. Yeah, but so, so, so for Ibrahimovic, he's like mm-hmm. the issue, and we can almost go on a whole Ibrahimovic kind of um, tirade, but Ibrahimovic is, every team he goes to, it has to be built around him. Everything goes through him. So he's not there to sort of serve someone else. No, everyone is here to serve me and everything goes through me. Yeah, but I'm so, just wondering if if that team existed here or like mm-hmm. in 2020, do you think you could get Ibrahimovic to be a bit more of a facilitator than a just a gunman? No, because no. of his, his, his <laughs> because of his personality. His personality. By, by, yeah, by, yeah. by the way, this wasn't on my list, but hopefully Ibrahimovic gets well. Um, I know he's like 30, 38, 39, 40 somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So cor- coronavirus isn't a joke, I guess. Once you get like past 40 or whatever it is, so. Obviously, the jokes. Ibrahimovic doesn't have coronavirus. Coronavirus has Ibra. All that kind of stuff is funny. But, you know, we wish him well. Um, I I take your point that if Aubameyang was there, one of those 1v1s is a goal. Credit to Allison, though. You you still have to make this save and you still have to position yourself. Lacazette tried to do like the Ronaldo, Fernando Torres, I'm going to go around him. But Mm. Allison read it. So, and Ronaldo Nazario, not Ronaldo Cristiano. Um, he, he tried to go around the goalkeeper, but Allison read it. So I guess he just, I don't know, he shit himself a bit. It was just like, well, let's just shoot if I'm not going to get around him. And it, it hit his, I guess it hit his arm. Good keeping um, at the end of the day. All right. If we want to look at this more from a, from a macro sense, I think they should just give them the league. So you play Chelsea, you play Arsenal, and you take six points. The whole point of this season for me was, can Chelsea, Arsenal, City, United, Spurs, can they close the gap? If they can't close the gap, and the gap is already 18 points, guys, just give the, give Liverpool the league. I guess we're just here for Champions League again this season. Spain's interesting. Italy is probably a little bit more interesting. Mm. The other three top leagues, we, we know what's happening. So basically, we're just here to see if Barcelona and Coleman can challenge Real Madrid. If they can, cool. Um, how is Pirlo going to manage this Juventus team to a league? And who wins the Champions League? That's kind of up in the air for, for debate, I suppose. But England, uh, and unless you really, really care about top four and relegation and all this, Liverpool have the, have the title. Because no, I, Chelsea and Arsenal got no points off them. No, but, but do you know what annoys me? And I think I blame, I blame Wenger for this. Before, top four is a trophy. Thank you. Before Wenger, bro, no one cared about top four. It was about who won the, the title. Like, oh, coming for the third, that didn't mean anything. Okay, you came for the third, no, but you didn't win it. But everybody is trying to win the title and we're, not, we're trying not to get relegated and everything. But ever since Wenger made this thing cool, they've now made it a thing of like, yes, the battle for top four, top four is good. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is football. It's about winning trophies. It's about winning. It's about getting a medal at the end of it, which just, which is the kind of tangible thing to show your success. Mm-hmm. You don't get a trophy for coming fourth or third and anything. Do I get any of that Champions League money? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> I see my team in the Champions League, but 
is my victory now just seeing my team compete in the Champions League and just get smacked up in the group stage or trying to or, or winning something? So this whole top four thing, which I've sort of been pulled into, I'm like, this is nonsense. <laughs> like the top four thing are for guys like a Daniel Levy, Agnelli and the owners because that is very important. But fans should just be roped into like, yeah, man, we got top four because you, you're not seeing one cobble of that of the Champions League money. You know, so in in some ways, top four is worse because it's like, well, in theory, at least de- depending on the gap, you should be close enough to like be challenging for the league. But you just want to be in the top four because of money purposes, or so people won't make fun of you with the Europa League anthem and things like that. <laughs> ah, the Europa League anthem is pretty bad, to be fair. <laughs> but, oh, no, no. Do you know what's really funny? I, I swear, I wish I could find it. There's this thing on Twitter where there's a video of LeBron. I think he's like doing a dance to like a rap thing on Instagram. So someone takes that, but instead puts the Europa League anthem over that, and you just see LeBron like sort of like vibing <laughs> to it. Uh, <laughs> it that 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 video is from when I think he oversaw like a Rick Ross album or something like that. Mm. But people put like bad beats and just funny stuff over LeBron just bopping his head to Rick Ross beats, which generally speaking, Rick Ross has a good ear for. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's it's awful. No, it's, I think they intentionally make it bad on purpose, man. So Seriously. no, but, but but my point is like, if you avoid that, I can see why you would be happy, on one hand. But at the end of the day, why are you here? In theory, if you're a top four team, you should really be here to be winning the league, not just mm. to be in top four. Um, the people were trying to tell me, yo, Chelsea spent all this money. They spent 200 mil. They're going to be a better team. Uh, Arsenal under Arteta, they won the FA Cup. They won the, uh, the Charity Shield. They beat Liverpool in that. Um, they're a better team. So in the first three games of the season, you have all this optimism. There's not necessarily a, a leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, although you know, Liverpool probably do have one hand on the trophy, but even still, people are on three points, four points, five points. You shouldn't be down in the dumps. You know, there's a chance to actually peg Liverpool back. And three games, they take six points from Chelsea and Arsenal. So we know where the season is going. And then if we look at what's happening with Manchester City, it's like, okay, so Chelsea and Arsenal probably wouldn't win the league. But what they mm-hmm. would do is take points off Liverpool. Maybe you mm-hmm. draw, maybe you win the odd game here or there. And then Manchester City will improve to where now we have a title race between City and Liverpool. But City are just deciding, you know what? We'll lose. <laughs> three three penalties to Leicester. So the gap won't close, especially if Pep is having issues. Because that's, te- that's, that's the team who people would think you're going to challenge but, Liverpool. But, but my thing, though, is this is that true. Or if we've only played three games. City have only played two. And I get your theory. I get your theory. But who did Liverpool lose to? Their first loss, Watford, who got relegated. Remember, there was I remember I, I keep on saying this. There was a season where Arsenal beat Man United twice, mm-hmm. but who won the league? Man United won the league. So don't underestimate the Premier League's ability for a team just to come up and just beat you on just one of those those. I understand days. that. I understand that. So, but so but no, no, we we, but, we are but, dealing with a team that was European champions two seasons ago. Hmm. We are dealing with a team that's gotten. 97 and 99 points in back-to-back seasons or something wild mm. like that. So we're not dealing with some small-minded I've already, team. Look, I've already said, look, I before a ball was kicked, before they even got Thiago, I said Liverpool are defending their title. I just felt, because I just felt that something is off with the city. And I just think that that's Leon loss that damaged them a lot more than we want to believe. I think that mm. was a really psychologically damaging loss to, that they had. So I already had them winning it. But my thing, though, is... 36 games is still 36 games. That's still a lot of games. A lot of stuff can happen. Because you could be in a, in a situation now where Someone gets Liverpool just have a freak or, loss, yeah. draw, City go, win, 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 and now we now forget about that 5-2 loss. Key thing for, for, for Man City is this Nobody's whole Leeds game. 5-2. Because Leeds is one of these teams that could give them an issue. So if City now lose again, then say, oh, back-to-back losses, what the... F-? But if they smack up Leeds or they beat Leeds, I'm like, okay, it's one loss. Let's just keep going until Liverpool slip up. Mm, so do we want to let's 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 get into Pep. So you have Pep. By the way, did you know that Diaz? I I did the math personally, so I don't know if this is a real fact because sometimes I can't add, or you know maybe you might miss a transfer here or there. But going by Wikipedia, 
you know, season by season, adding up the transfer outs. The Diaz signing from Benfica, I believe, has taken Pep spending since the 2015-16 season when he arrived. Over 1 billion euros. 1 billion. With a B. It was somewhere around 900 million without Diaz. But now it's like over a billion. So if you spend a billion pounds in five seasons, (laughs) you got to give me a Champions League, man. At least a final, bro. At least a final. Like, So he's really spent a billion. According to my math, which, as we know, is questionable. But I just went by Wikipedia. So I just tallied up the numbers. It gets you over a billion euros. Once you convert pounds into euros, it takes the number above above a billion by six million or so. So it's like one billion and six million euros. I've seen people say, oh, it's the board's fault. They haven't backed Pep. That's nonsense. Now, obviously, that doesn't take into account net spend and however much money that that they would have recouped from whichever players they sold. But can you really think of like a high-value player that they've sold? I can't really think of any. Maybe you might think, oh, Jaden Sancho left the academy. But I'm thinking like they sell Aguero to God knows who. Like they haven't really had some major people leave except like the elderly, you know, Yaya Toure, David Mm. Silva, Vincent Company. But they all left for free. I can't think of any major player they've sold. So, yeah, Pep. He has no excuses at this point. They've given you a billion. You can't say you weren't backed. You can't say you don't have defenders. You know, we can go through the list of Stones, Laporte, Diaz now, the fullbacks that he got in his second season. I think he got four. <laughs> Mendy. He's bots players. Cancelo. Dude has bots players. Yeah, it's when when you look at the numbers, it's like, well, damn. To be fair, I think Pep's project has maybe run its course. So we we've I think we've concluded on this podcast numerous times that there's only so long a coach can stay before his voice becomes stale. Now, uh, now let me let me let me let me comment on that because that's very key. Let's bring in Fergie. You see, what I always say about Fergie is that okay, two Champions Leagues in like over twenty years—that's a bit. But- Mourinho has the same, so let's 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 calm down there. So Mourinho has spent as much as a. So he, wait, so Mourinho has been a manager for as long as Fergie. Mourinho's been a manager twenty years this year, so this is but, his twentieth year in management, and he has two Champions Leagues. Fergie, remember, if and not, and Alex Ferguson has a European trophy with, I believe, Aberdeen, which is but yeah, because Mourinho won the what's it called did he win the Mourinho has the Europa League, Europa League and the Champions League with Porto, and he has a Champions League plus treble. With Inter and the Europa League with okay, okay, um, okay. United, but look, okay, look, that's the most part. But still, I still say no, 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 people... no. I'm just, I'm just saying as as a warning, hmm. don't go into this two Champions Leagues in however many years because no, then no, no, people no. will throw back in your face that your goat only has two and twenty as well. So it's look, not say, a slight not, that I you think is my goat for more than just stuff. It's for differences. It's for character, coolness, and all that can unbox up his nest. But all I say with the whole two Champions League things. That's a blindside hit that people are going to hit you with. Fine. But the point still stands that I just think if you're calling this guy the greatest manager of all time, he's won two Champions League in how many years? And Champions Zidane League isn't the defining it's trophy the in terms of greatness. But it's the, it's the hardest and the most... It's where the best teams play. So you can't ignore that. It is, that's why it's called the Champions League. It's where the best teams play. You're not playing Scunthorpe or Granada, or so El- would you El- say El- that Carlo Ancelotti? Okay, no, no. Would you say Carlo Ancelotti is a greater manager than Sir Alex because he has I would, three? I wouldn't say that, but all I'm saying that that is just. So I'm what are we? So what's your point? My point is that I'm just throwing that point out there. Now you can do with that whatever you wish, but that is a fact. <laughs> it's a point that so it's, it, have there are hope, have hope. who have it's won a more Champions League in like, less time. Stop, stop with that one. It doesn't no, no, make no, no. sense. Find find something else to cr- critique him on. It's but that, that one, sense. it doesn't fly. Oh, no, 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 no. I, okay, it makes perfect sense. Are we saying Zidane's better than, than Ferguson or greater? The argument is I view the Champions League as an elite competition and the tougher competition because Everybody does. the best teams play. Everybody does. And the does. fact that there are managers who have won that competition more times in a less time than Ferguson, I think that's an interesting point. That's you okay. can't ignore. Right, but to be fair, Ferguson stayed with one team. A lot of these guys have been jumping around from team to team, spending money, choosing the best players. So Ancelotti went from Juventus to Milan to PSG, then to Real Madrid. Fergie did it at the same club, which creates 
a, a unique set of issues. Zidane has been on the same club. So, okay. CLs, no, that's team. fair. That's fair. That's fair. But are we saying Zidane's on the managerial level as Ferguson? The reason why you now put a Fergie it's over a game for your life. his Actually, longevity. That's a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you had a game for your life, would you take Zidane managing or Fergie managing? But then I think about just the juju that Zidane has. Come and on, I man. Think Zidane, 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 Zidane is special, man. <laughs> Zidane is special, man. And I think, damn, well, uh, I think Ferguson could set the team up better, but Zidane would probably just somehow find a way to win. But the point is, don't use number of Champions League and number of years to delineate greatness because that's right. a so bad a, road to go. It's a dead-end argument. Back to the point I was making. Now, Fergie, the reason why Fergie is so special, now let's not talk about the good thing with Fergie. He was able to always keep people refreshed and yeah. motivate people. And he was able to break teams, build new teams, break teams. He knew that, all right, Stam, time to go. Cole, York, time to go. Vanessa Roy, time to go. Van Persie, time to go. Okay, boom. And he was able just to restructure a new when the team needed a new lift. The mm -hmm. problem with Pep, he's a very intensive coach and manager and demands a lot. And he has a very specific philosophy. Ferguson didn't have a philosophy because one time it was two strikers, York and Cole. Then it was the one striker, Vanessa Then it was the winger in Cristiano Ronaldo. Then it's like, okay, this different kind of typical striker in Van Persie. He created a style that fit the players that he had. Pep is like, no. Whoever I buy, you must fit my philosophy that I have. Mm -hmm. And Pep doesn't change his philosophy. So, and that is, and you could reach a point where players are like, oh man, damn, we've been doing this trading thing for the third, fourth year now. I mean, this is long, bro. You know, um, I just don't feel as excited or energetic about it as I did in the first or the second year, which is, I think, the danger that could be happening is his very psychological, physically intensive tactics that require so much micromanagement may now be reaching its edge with the players but we have only a very small sample size let's review this in five games in 10 games in 12 games we're seeing a pattern i'm saying small sample size for this season but the, the fact mm. is, that, is that when we look at last season that is the most losses pep has ever had in the league ever which was i think was it 10 or 11 you can't see my face right now but the fact that you have double-digit losses in a season after you won the Premier League and the fact that you lose to Lyon in the Champions League, for me, we have a whole season and a Champions League campaign plus the start of this season. Those three things would add up to a pretty solid sample size. It's not just these three games. I think last season is pretty instructive here as well, no? Eight, 18 points shows something. This team isn't at the races like it was three years ago, but that makes sense. Especially since we've been saying on this podcast for the past five years that a manager might have two, three, at best four years mm -hmm. once he gets his team clicking together to ride through. And Pep had his three, four years. They didn't get the Champions League, but what they did in the Premier League was quite impressive. I'm expecting Klopp, Klopp will hit that wall next season or the season after next. Or, or I think he's already said when, when my contract's over, I'm done because I think he understands what's going on. Pep, but, but, Pep hasn't been this long at a club ever. I think there's a difference with Klopp because I feared that that could happen with Klopp based off how he played with Dortmund and Liverpool. But then what you saw with Klopp last season was that he changed his approach drastically where the team was a lot more pragmatic and less dynamic and attacking and force was the way. How would you put this? He's more in the Ferguson type where he has principles, but I think he is willing to change them somewhat. Pep yeah, doesn't yeah. seem as willing to change. Like he will change, don't get me wrong. I remember in the documentary on Amazon, he was like, well, in England, you know, we have to learn to cope with second balls and things like that. So maybe he's more learning than he is adapting, mm. if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think Klopp is more adaptable to different to different situations, which, I mean, think about it. The reason that you bring up that money and why defenders might cost so much or why different players must cost so much is because there's a premium, not just the Premier League, not just Man City. It's the idea that Pet needs a type of defender that can do X, Y, Z. And that's not necessarily an easy player to find. A ball-playing center back who's also smart, who, who's going to be left in 1v1 situations a lot because the fullbacks have gone forward. Like Finding the correct player to fit in a very particular system is going to be expensive. Is Ruben Diaz a 65 million pound defender? I guess we'll see. But for Man City, he is because he, that's the guy that Pep and the Man City team has picked to be like, well, I guess he's going to be our guy. 
Um, I, I forget how much Laporte was. Maybe somebody could say, but definitely probably with 50, 60 million from Bill Bow, I believe. To find a specialized person, you have to pay a lot of money. And there's a premium on that. If you're Ferguson and you can kind of make make a meal with scraps or just kind of put this here, put that there, put that in there, you can find players for not too much money, all told. Although that being said, I think they did have like the most expensive defender, like Ferdinand and things like that. Let's let's not pretend Ferguson was dealing with scraps either. But um, no, Kobe, he never had scraps. Yeah, but, but it, he did put, have Neville. Though. Put it put it put it this way: if you're a Ranieri with Leicester, your idea can get accomplished with players that aren't hundred million pound players. You can you can get through with Robert Huth and Wes Morgan <laughs> and uh, Christian Fuchs and. 500,000 Mares and uh, non-league 1 million Jamie Vardy and 3 million Kante. Like you put those players together and your idea doesn't require them to be technically proficient on some crazy level. They just have to be functional in the roles that they are. Pep is asking a lot of his players, both mentally and physically. So, and technically to be, to be fair. So yeah, that's, I think that's part of his problem. And if you're not willing to change, if you're kind of stuck in that way, of a 15-16 Mourinho season is coming for him. I don't know when. I don't know if it's this season. I don't know if it's oh, next season. Was, was, was that when Chelsea win the relegation zone? Yeah, that's <laughs> it, it has to be coming. I don't know when it is. You think that's coming for Pep? It's coming eventually. It comes for everybody. Fuck. Well, maybe not everybody in that way. But, you know, it's coming. I don't know when, but it'll come. I really f- believe that. I said again, I'm, I've just been on him because of when he said, I destroyed four football. You know? <laughs> and look, as I told you, that's ever since he said, I'm like, bro, man, I'm going to. You were on his be... neck before that. That just solidified the you know, reasons no, why was, you were on his neck. That's took. Look, I did it in 90 minutes post match after Tottenham. No, knock, knock, knock them out. But saying that and losing to Leon, 18 points behind Liverpool, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You destroyed football. <laughs> okay, let's let's not see what what what, what were you going to do. So it's going to be very interesting to, to to see. Let's look at the next few games. Like let's see this in the next five six games because look, I am not one. Football changes can change in a week or two, and I think the issue we have with guys online is people are very reactionary and they're like, oh my gosh, this. this. I'm like, let's see five games. Seven games, eight games, nine games, ten games, eleven games, because things can change very quickly. But as we said before, is I've always said Pep is a really good coach. Great mm-hmm. it is, and he used and copied a lot of ideas from Cruyff, who who got them from Michels in the in the seventies. So he's got some ideas. But as far as management, you have injuries. You need some to do something new, and you need to really manage a squad and really work with what you have. I don't think he's very good at doing that. I think he needs players at their top level at their very best to implement his philosophy to a to a t if they, they they can't and he now has to have and do management he can be found wanting so we have some quick questions here on chelsea from from twitter by the way the tweet for questions goes out all the time so every monday so if you want to have your question or comment featured in the show just at talking tactics on twitter and we'll find it i'll hit a like so i can remember to talk about it and so here we are uh, the Gowan 6-9, best landing spots for Rudiger and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Also, did y'all hear about Alonso news out of Chelsea? So apparently, obviously, we know Alonso had a pretty bad game. He was taken off at halftime. And instead of going to the the dressing room or the bench, I think he decided to go to the team bus and just sat in the team bus and waited for everybody to go. <laughs> and apparently, according to The Athletic, um, I'm not sure which reporter at The Athletic, but... They said that Frank Lampard like chewed him out. He's really pissed um, that players had never seen Frank Lampard that mad at somebody. So it oh. seems as if Alonso could be maybe on the way out. We 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 so, we angry angry at performance or angry at him leaving not not going to the dressing room just going to yeah the team that bus. part like waiting on the team bus. I don't. Alonso's made so many mistakes before. I don't think he'd be really that shocked yeah. at what he did for the first goal. But like not being with the team in that sense when when they needed him. I guess that's probably what he's more mad about. Um, so, I mean, this podcast, I think, has wanted Alonzo out of the Premier League for years. So if the, if this is what gets him out or maybe if this is what he needs to do in order to get himself out, fine. 
I don't want to talk about Chelsea too much because we did the past two weeks. Oh, no, no, so yeah, I'm trying no, to no, run no, through it. No, this was just and purely Alonso. So I think about Alonso is you have to realize when you're playing badly. You have to realize that. And if he doesn't realize the amount of mistakes he makes in games and how lost he is at games. Because one of the, the key things in life is be honest with yourself. Because when you're honest with yourself, that is when you can improve. If you're not honest with, with, with yourself, you can never improve. So, Alonso, if you're honest with yourself, you'll know that, yeah, I've not played well. So, to actually go off in a strop and head into a team bus, I'm like, what's that supposed to mean or prove or do anything when you played badly? Go sit in the dressing room and chill, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's wild, man. So, we have best landing spots for Rudiger and Ruben. Um, I think Rudiger could do with the move maybe to Germany mm-hmm. just so he can be seen for the Euros because I'm sure that's in his mind. You can't be on the bench for 37 or 36-year-old Thiago Silva and Andre Christensen and not even on the bench in favor of like Fikayo Tomori. I mean, that's it, it, that's not really a good look. So, so, so they really used this dude just to get two German guys and then they said, thanks, but can you now... F off, please. Yeah, it's messed up. It's messed up. Um, I saw Zuma was linked with Everton. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Chelsea center backs. But that's a consequence of not loaning out Tomori and bringing in Silva. You're saying Rudika and Zuma are rumored too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Where is Christensen heading off to then? (laughs) No way he's heading to the starting 11, bro. (laughs) I don't don't know why he's been picked. I guess if I had to think it's because he's a Chelsea youth player and they've known him for years and years. That makes and no sense. Like, it is so obvious that Christensen... He's the worst of the five. Yeah. You but... know, because Rudiger is a bit shaky, but if there's a guy who this guy just doesn't work and this guy will keep on making mis- mis- mistakes and be a yard slower, it's Christensen. <laughs> and if you're not going to... Comp- because I thought the whole thing was, aha, Zuma now has a partner to pair with, which is Thiago Silva. If you're not saying Thiago Silva and Christensen, I'm sorry, you're going to see mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you will. Um, wow. So, best landing spot for Rudiger, again, somewhere in Germany would probably be ideal. Best landing spot for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. If it were up to me, I'd try to go to Spain if I were him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his football would blend well with Spanish football. I think, I don't know if there's a... I, I wouldn't send any black person to Italy if my life depended on it. Even, even if I think Italian football would be perfect for his style, I'm not well, going to suggest Italy. Have, have mercy on my boy Osime, man. Pray for yeah, him. France. <laughs> France and uh, the uh, Germany. I was going to say France and the Bundesliga, but you guys know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liga and the Bundesliga are, I think they might be too intensive for him coming off the, the Achilles injury. So all the pressing and the running that you might be asked to do, not that that doesn't happen in Spain, but I think it's a bit more intense in France and Germany. So I'd probably try to save him from that. But then it, English players tend to just want to stay in England for whatever weird reason. So Which, which, which is cheap. I that's, yeah. Look, for me, I feel that McManaman improved when he moved to Real Madrid. And look how much better Sancho is. That he's not good. And people are now saying that, um, what's, what's the name of that light skin? Bro, from Money Money United, um, defender. That Smalling, 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 Smalling. Smalling. <laughs> he's actually improved and gotten better since he he moved. So, but, but again, people don't understand what the Premier League is. The Premier League is the most famous brand. It is the most popular league. It isn't the league where the best football is played. <laughs> yes. So that's just just understand that and get that. If you want to improve as a player. You don't go to the Premier League to improve as a player. If you go to the Premier League for money, yeah, that's the thing, it's, <laughs> and, it's, it's and exposure for your brand. If you want to become a better footballer, if you're young, I'd say go to Germany because they'll give you a chance. And other than that, I think Spain is probably that Spain plays the best football. I think in, in terms of the five major countries, from I'd top to, to bottom, or is it yeah. from from top to bottom? Spain, or if you'd want to like develop, maybe you could go like the Eredivisie or someplace like that. But um, okay, last Chelsea question. Promise, Pinky. Promise. Um, football agendas at Footy Troll Three asks us: Is this a fair assessment of Warner's current standing and potential? So he has three players right now. He has him at Marata standing, which is not good. But then he, the next level up is Jamie Vardy. And the next level up from that is David Villa. 
So I guess he's saying Warner's potential, if he fully maximizes it, is David Villa. If he falls just short, he could be a Jamie Vardy type of player. But currently right now, I guess he's saying he's like Morata. Actually, I think calling him German Vardy, which I've seen, is slightly disrespectful to Jamie Vardy considering what we've been seeing over the past three, four years. And pe- people have this assumption maybe that I don't like Jamie Vardy. I actually like Jamie Vardy. I just don't just shut up with the drug look comparisons, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not that's disrespectful. That is disrespectful. But, could, but can Timo Werner be as good as Vardy? I think so, yes. David V is a tall ass. No, no, no. It's, that's not happening. And Werner, for, for the speed that you can see, the finishing ability, which is is there. We haven't seen it in the Chelsea shirt just yet. There's no sauce, man. And that annoys me. He's not doing stepovers. He's not doing mm. tricks. He's not doing back heels. It's just very rudimentary, functional pace, striker play. Basically, pace and, 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 and finishing. Like, yeah. David Villa was like a good a player. footballer. Yeah, he's a player. Yeah, like, like like the guy could dribble, do things technical and everything. Like, that's one of Werner's games. So, uh, I'm not Villa seeing that. Not... Like, if he does no. two dribbles, if he beats, if he has, like, take-ons and dribbles, like, over 10 this season, I'd be surprised. <laughs> it's just, like, there's there's no sauce to his game. So, that no, that's, no, no, that no. slightly annoys me. But, yeah, those are the questions that we have. Let me see if anybody's got one in at the buzzer. Uh, there's one, there was a comment that I wanted to read um, from other Anthony. He says, this is going back to last week's show. Talking taxes, you're completely right in the last podcast. Activism doesn't work when it's mandatory. Black Lives Matter has become lip service. Every time they start to feel comfortable, that the truth tends to seep out from the corridors of power. So that's a comment. But yeah, shout out. If yeah. you didn't listen to last week's show, stop kneeling, man. You can go listen to last week's show. It's not a case of stop kneeling. Nah, nah, nah. Stop kneeling. Get up. Get up. Just play. Like, please. Like, I don't want to say that again because I know what that's about. That's about, it's, hey, man, for, brand. It's, 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 it's all brand. I get all it. I brand get, and PR. I get it. It's, it. For me, it's not stop kneeling. It's for me, find something else. It's not stop kneeling and go play. Maybe stop kneeling and find something else that signifies your solidarity with the movement. Which, which because 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 right now, kneeling has become co-opted and hollow in that sense. So just find something else to do. But yeah. take but but taking a knee isn't it. Taking a knee was what Kaepernick did in 2016. It's 2020. The world has kind of collectively agreed that taking a knee isn't that big of a deal anymore. So now it means nothing. So it's not don't take a knee, just go kick the ball. No. Don't don't take a knee, but find something else that you can do. Put put it on put something on your shirt. Yeah. Do, do something. But the knee is played out at this point. There you go. I, as you know, wait, you're, you're right, man. I think I've got I've got to stop reading these comments, man. Gatlock just put something like about <laughs> because Gatlock just said that Tito Mavena is Daniel James with with finishing. Big up Gatlock. Gatlock's hilarious. He's a troll, but he's funny. Um, all right. Um, so VAR quickly. Because, uh, wait, 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 very quickly. Are we are we talking VAR or handball? Same thing. Okay, let me lay it out for you very quickly. Let me lay it out because again, I've got some information. You say I did some research. I did. I did some research. You, so you, you say you, you've read. I've read. But who who is this, and where did you, where did you read it from? Football three six five dot com. Oh, so Carl! This, Carl loves that website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, shout out to Carl Man. IFAB, International yeah. Football Association Board. These are the people who make the football rules. It isn't FIFA. It's IFAB. This is the organization that. I should be angry at who bring in these rules. So <laughs> go go for it. For this, so last season they introduced this dumbass rule of like, hey, if the ball hits your hand at any point, it's a handball. It is what it is, intentional or not. Ball hits the hand, it's a handball. So this season they maintained that the ball hits the lower parts of your arm, it is a handball. But they said leagues or referees can interpret whether the hand is an an, an unnatural movement. Or if it is intentional or unintentional. But apparently, according to this article, they said that the Premier League didn't take upon that part of the ruling, which says you, the referees can interpret whether it's intentional or not. The Premier League have just viewed the first part of it that says once the ball hits the hand, it's a handball. The thing then is that why are the referees even wasting time going over to the screen? All the referees need to be told is did the ball hit this dude's hand? It did. Okay, it's a penalty. Because the whole point of going over to the screen is, okay, I am the referee. I am now refereeing. And down to my discretion, I'm going to now decide whether 
his arm was in, in an unnatural position or natural movement. Boom. Right. So if, if if we look at, let's take the Crystal Palace one. Um, who did Crystal Palace play this week? I'm forgetting who. Leeds. Was, was it Leeds? I don't know who it was, but Crystal Palace played somebody. And Joel oh. Ward had his hand generally in a natural motion. And the ball hit his hand. They reviewed it. They called it a penalty. For me, it wasn't a penalty. For, for me, yeah, yeah, Everton. I, it was Everton. 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 And I, I know this is probably going a bit extreme with the example, but this is the intention that I would that I would give. If you're Suarez in the 2010 World Cup and you clearly keep the ball out of the net, that's goal bound. That for me is like deliberate handball in a sense. Like you know what you're doing. You clearly deliberately handball it to where the ball doesn't reach where it's intended to go. You get a red card. They get a penalty. You're suspended for the next match. Jen's supposed to make the penalty. Ghana's supposed to go to the semifinal. I'm still pissed. Um, but that that for me is intentional handball. Now, if you remember the 2019 Champions League final, Kimpembe. Spurs no. and Liverpool, Sizoko was motioning to somebody probably to track Mane. Yeah, and Mane looks directly at Suzuko's arm, and he's like, "Well, <laughs> the 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 law that exists in the Premier League now existed internationally or continentally." So he was just like, "Well, his arms extended. He chips the ball up to nobody in particular. There's no way he's doing anything but trying to do what he's doing." Uh, the ball clips Suzuko's arm. I don't know if they review it. I think they do. Salah makes the penalty in the first ten minutes or whatever it is. Liverpool win the Champions League final two 0 that for me is not an intentional handball. That for me is clearly an attacker taking advantage of a stupid rule. Yeah. Now, if you follow the stupid rule by the letter, then fine, it's a penalty. But the rule itself is flawed. So, in some ways, I can't blame. I, I'll never blame the players. It's not the players' fault. If Mane sees what his arm is out, kick the ball into it. Yeah. I, I tell my players if a player's 100%. arm is out, aim for it. These players can hit the crossbar from midfield, from the penalty spot, from the, the the top of the D. If you're a player like Christian Eriksen or somebody like that, just a pure technician of the ball, kick, hit his arm. No, no, no. no. Because things, I know I was, you can do it. No, because I was, I was watching ESPN FC. Steve Nichols said, oh, no, this is Steve. Like, no player is actually going to intentionally try to hit the ball at their hands and so forth. I was like, bro. We saw it in the Champions with... League final, bro. No, no. But you're dealing with high-level football where... There, these matches, there's everything is at stake. Where every little thing you see on the yellow, make sure he gets a red. If you feel anything, dive. Every little thing you can do to twist your way to get a win or get an edge, you do, do it, it because we are dealing with high level. If you know that the rule is at any point the ball hits the guy's hand, I'm telling my most skilled players at any given opportunity, go for it. Try and get that ball at that guy's hand and let's get a penalty. Have hope. Now, if we just go to VAR itself. I think I've deduced what's what's wrong with it. The the, the law is one problem, mm-hmm. but why was VAR necessary in the first place? Because referees were making mistakes. Put it simply, yeah. Or or the public was able to see how many how many mistakes the referees were making, and because we have the technology, well, let's let's try to do something about it. But the reason yeah. it's there is because referees were making mistakes. But who's using VAR? It's the same referees who were making mistakes. <laughs> so I, I think in one of these games, there was like Anthony Taylor. So a regular Premier League referee that I say his name and people will have the image of like a bald dude that does Premier League refereeing. If I say Anthony Taylor, if you Google it, you'll be like, oh, that guy. He's he's the VAR referee for one of these games. He's one of the ones that necessitated VAR being implemented. So you have, so I have the analogy of like if a three-year-old is playing with a knife, would you then take a seven-year-old with a knife and su- let him supervise the three-year-old with the knife? It makes no sense. You're allowing people who necessitated VAR's existence to then use VAR. You, you're going to just compound mistakes because you have people who are prone to error using something else that is then prone to error. You're just going to compound errors. Maybe every once in a while they'll get it right with a double look. Like, oh, we got that one wrong. But you're giving it to people who have already been shown to be ill-equipped. So what do you think? What, what's the best that you think can happen from this? And then you put like bad laws on top of it? You're just asking for a mess. No, no, no. Because people saying, oh, my vice crap. I don't want VAR. 
VAR isn't the issue. VAR is a machine. <laughs> it's about people who use the machine. It's like the gun in and of itself isn't bad. It's the person who uses the gun, you know. So VAR is just a machine that allows you to exactly. go into replay. That's a better example. And so forth. Yeah. Okay, if, well, if, if, if I give a dumb person a pistol, would I then give a, a dumb person a machine gun to then correct the mistakes of the person with the pistol. No, no. You, what you need is like either either you need to remove guns altogether, or <laughs> give somebody who's trained or somebody we can trust no, but, but, the, per, but, the the permission and the duty to oversee what's going on. No, but, okay, but like let's even bring in the NBA to it because I'm like, you're you're so dumb. Is <laughs> you have a device that's allows you to go into slow motion, look at different angles, yep. look at the various speeds and so forth. Because, for instance, whenever there's like a big call made in the NBA, you have the, you have the referees who decide, that, okay, now look, was it a vertical jump up and down? Did he move and everything? And they are looking at this thing again and again and again and again. And they say, how many angles do we want before they make a decision? Mm-hmm. So with this whole thing, especially with handball, shouldn't it make sense that for these referees – you can sit down and look precisely, specifically in slow motion and say, all right, okay, let's see this hand. Okay, give me another angle. No, no, give me another angle. Okay, slow down, slow down. Okay, let's zoom in a bit. And then you can then really decide whether this was an actual movement or not. But my thing about it is it's pointless if the referee is just going over to the monitor to see if the ball hit the dude's hand. It's a waste of a trip. If he's not going there to use his brain, he's just going there to use his eyes, yeah. then what's the point? Then you just take the word from the guy that saw yeah. it in the first place. Yeah. But if the referee is going to take time out of our day to go jog over to the monitor, at least to give him some agency. But, at but, the very but, least. But, 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 but then again, if the law on the book is, if it hits the arm, give the penalty, then there's no agency to be had. If it hits the arm... Yeah, so don't don't go to, to, to the monitor. Just ask the people, yo... Did he take his hand? He did. Okay, penalty. <laughs> they've, well, see, what they've tried to do is they've tried to make issues that have gray, black and white. Offside, for instance, that was a big one last season. Offside, I suppose it, for, for all intent and purpose, is black and white, even though I don't agree that it's black and white totally. Um, once you break down the science and how fast players can move and when the ball is played, there are gray areas within that. Handball, though, is completely... It's not completely subjective, but there's a subjective element to it. So, again, Suarez handballs it in the 2010 World Cup. Objectively handball, we understand that one. If a ball clips Eric Dyer's hand and he doesn't mean it, of course there's a competitive advantage to it hitting the arm. So even Havertz, Havertz in Chelsea's equalizer against West Mm. Brom, the ball hit his arm. Chelsea theoretically did benefit from that because Abraham scores Mm. after, after a few seconds there. But does Havertz intentionally mean to handle it? The answer would be no. I don't think he stuck out his arm or he knew he was gaining an advantage by using his arm. Mm. Likely, Likewise, I don't think Joe Ward knew that he was gaining an advantage by the ball stri- striking his arm. There are situations where you can clearly look at it and think this player extended his arm unnaturally and he, mm. he was in full control over that motion. That is a subjective instance where a referee should be able, as you say, to go to the screen and use his brain and be like, well, that's if, if you're turning your body or if you're jumping, your arms aren't going to be beside you like you're a, a Maasai in Kenya. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like you're, you're, you're going to have leverage and there's people around you. There, there might be a struggle or a tussle here or there. So the fact that they're not allowed to use their brains, not that I trust that even if they could use their brains, they'd make the right decision most of the time, but, <laughs> I, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Just the whole system is broken. And it's what the, the, even, even p- the people who benefit from it, like uh, Steve Bruce, he was like, like, look, yeah, we benefited from it, but there'll be a situation later on this season, and I think it's a, a wise um, observation on his part, There'll be an, a situation this season where it will go against us. Yeah, we benefited against Spurs today, but who's to say next week we won't concede two penalties because of you know the stupid loss? So hmm. the, the the more you look at it, it's just like VAR on itself, as you say, is a good idea. But the way it's been implemented, especially in the Premier League for the past two seasons, I think has been terrible. Do you know what what's my fear is? See, football is getting more and more popular by every year. 
and more and more people want, you know, our viewing it numbers are crazy. And I do think that there are people out there who just they don't really have much to do and, and they want to feel involved with the biggest sport in the world. And I think that there are just people sitting down saying, oh, let's just change this. Let, let, let's just change the ruling so that people can actually talk about us. <laughs> and I think that's, I think people are like, because everything was fine. The Hannibal rule was fine. Everything was fine. But guys were like, look, uh, look, I'm bored. And also like, look, I, I want people to talk. So, so now we are now talking about IFAB. So now they now have the spotlight upon them. So some genius is like, ah, now someone will now interview me and, and say things about me because if they get this Hannibal rule, if they change this back to something that is sensible, they could very easily implement and bring in some other new thing as well. And my fear is with the growing popularity of four football, there'll be this urge and this need to change, change, alter, change, try to um, update and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, look, change is good, but change for the sake of change isn't always good. Yeah, no, but it's like, it's like for instance, the beauty about football is that it is difficult to score. That is always the beauty about football. Why did we have to change it where keepers now can't pick the, the ball up? They have to kick it. That's an advantage to, to the attacker. Why was the goal increased? That's another advantage to the attacker. Those things didn't need to happen. Because the beauty about football and what makes it different from like other sports is the difficulty it is of scoring. So when you do score, it's a big thing based on mm, how difficult it is. Uh, mm. I, I I can see that point of view, but I could also see like let's give attackers at least an advantage. So so it's the but idea why? that you know le- level is on side. That's an advantage for the attacker. Why? Because people love goals, and not everybody is down to. And maybe this is you know, you know more a problem with the public than it is the game. But it's not a critique for football for you. It's a critique of the of of the viewing public. It's that people watching like to see goals. You would rather like not everybody is going to be a fan of the nil the one nil defensive struggle or the nil nil defensive struggle. Like not everybody's going to love Germany Italy from the two thousand six World Cup. Like that's not going to be everybody's jam. The idea that whoa it was nil nil for that long. Nah, like give me the five four, give me the four four, give me the three nil, give me the eight two, give me the seven one, give me the the big number. And in that way, the goals excite people. Partly because it's hard to score, but partly because we just like seeing the ball go in the back of the net. So that, but, I, but, I, so, so but, I, we, but we don't want five, five, four, threes every single game. That's you. I don't know who the we is. Like me, I would. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I, I like to see goals. I don't want to see like nine, nine. You know, like that's that's. I don't want to see that. Um, give me like a good two, one, a good three, two. Like I'm happy with that. Um, once it goes too left, then it's wrong. But I don't want to see nil nils all the time either. So I can see, because it is so hard to score. I can see why they give slight advantages to the, um, the 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 attacking team. How many times have we watched a game and been like, ah, this game needs a goal? Penalties aren't necessarily the problem. It's how these penalties are being given that's the problem. We might have a nil nil game this season. That's terrible. And in the 35th minute, somebody gets a penalty that shouldn't be a penalty given this handball rule, and it's 1-0. That 1-0 will then create a better spectacle over the course of the game because then the team that was playing for the point, maybe they're now behind and they have to play more offensive, and then 2-0 might happen. Then from there, who knows, right? But I'll still have a problem with the idea that that stupid rule is the, the spark of a good game, if that makes sense. So I think what, what needs to happen is a clarification of these rules. And I would love for them to do it publicly and be like, I'm the person who's making this decision. I, I want to know the name of the person to blame, basically. But anyway, let's take a couple stories from the continent. You pick. A Spain. What's going on? Suarez, man. He wasn't finished after all. The, the cannibal man, the racist cannibal man. Did you see what Diego Costa said? Like, it, it's a good pairing. He bites, I kick, that kind of thing. <laughs> Wait, yeah. wait, 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 did he actually say that? Yeah, he said he bites, or, or one bites, one kicks, or something like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's man. Funny. It's, it's funny. It's, 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 the, it's the violence duo. You know, look, for me, look, he has a point to prove. And I think what you never want to give anybody or a rival is a point to prove. Um, He did not like the way that Barcelona disposed of him. 
for the cannibal Suarez, he's like, all right, I've got a point to prove. Let me do something big time with Atletico. Give them these goals. Give them the quality that they've been missing because Atletico have not had a quality striker since Diego Costa. And this is Diego Costa before he joined Chelsea. So this 2014. 2014. 2014. So 2014 and back. Atletico Madrid, they're a decent side. They're a strong side. But what they've always been missing is they've been offensively inept and not really had a striker that can really do something. We might have a three-horse race. We might have a three-horse race, you know, because where is Messi's head at? How much is he? How much effort is he really going to put into Barcelona? I still feel Real Madrid are missing something in that team. So there could be a chance for Atletico Madrid to say, what's up? There could be. Cavani, who wants him? Why, do, why aren't people... Wait, how old is Cavani? Let me let me check this. 33? Cavani age. Because I, 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 thought, yeah. I thought he missed the... PSG Champions League campaign to join Benfica because wasn't that wasn't that odd? Like I, I guess there was just an assumption that uh, Chupo Moteng was going to be the number two behind Icardi or whatever it is. But I was like, he wasn't there for the PSG campaign in the Champions League because yeah. I guess they thought he would. I swear I saw that he was in Benfica or he was going there. But the idea that oh now he could be going because remember in the winter window last yeah. season Chelsea was named. There were a bunch of teams that were named for him. But 33, Suarez is what, 32? Aubameyang so, is 31. Yeah, Benzema, who, I think, is like 32, I think. Yeah, so, so I wonder. No, no, I mean, like, I'm shocked that not in more teams are aggressively going for Cavani. Maybe he's asking for too much wages or maybe he wants like a two-year deal when they're only willing to give him one or maybe he just won't take it. i'm not fi- i'm not ready to go to mls i don't want to go to china like i still want to mm. compete for a, a champions league whatever it is yeah, no, no, so, no because, because see cavani is still a very he's still a very good striker the issue with cavani is just that he missed too many one ones and he missed too many easy chances but i still feel that almost any team he's going to give you at least 20 to 25 goals because he's just wow. a good goal scorer or maybe yeah, 16, yeah. 16, 16, at least he's given you double figures on goals, at least. Yeah, because yeah. it's the movement. Like, his movement is so And just good. eye for goal, eye for goal. He just yeah, understands the eye for goal. it's just the finishing that lets and, you down. And in the big games, just critical <laughs> games, key games, he'll, he, he'll, he'll flop for you. One one thing he'll do, or two things he'll do. He'll get chances and he'll run. Mm. What else is going on? Bayern lost. 4-1. To Hoffenheim, I believe. Yeah. No, but see, that's why I said, like, people stop being reactionary. Before 4-1... I was hearing it's going to be the first team to do back-to-back trebles. Nobody can beat them. They're unstoppable. They're a monster. I get it. They were amazing for that one season. So were MSN. <laughs> so were the 2013 Bayern. Tomorrow is a new day. And this isn't even a case of like, oh, because Thiago Alcantara left. It's just that you, you can't assume that they're going to, they, that because they had a super season last season, they'll do the same thing this season. No, that's not how football works. Now, this does, see, this does not mean that they, they're going to lose the Bundesliga because Dortmund did did their thing and lost to Augsburg. But what this just shows is that let's chill out and just not assume they will defend their, their title in the Champions League. This time shows that they can be beaten and they are not invincible. Fatty. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Yes, he's bleaching. Ugh, not that. <laughs> <laughs> not that. Not that. Let's, let's just go there. Okay. At, at this age... Mm-hmm. Who was better, Ansu Fati or Mbappe? 17. Mbappe. At 17. Wasn't Mbappe scoring in Champions League matches? And... I think he was 18. Oh, well, then I wasn't aware of Mbappe really at 17. Then. It, it was that Champions League campaign. And his birthday's in December. Mm-hmm. So maybe I watched a few games with Monaco back in the day when people were talking about that team. I would have observed it mostly when he was 18. So... If we want to go to 17-year-olds, the only other one, I'm not going to name him, but you know who, from like the 50s. <laughs> oh, Pele? What, what other 17-year-old is there? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I mean... Um, That's the only other one. Like, like this guy was... This, 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 this dude is really good. Yo, like, like, how, how old was Rooney? 16, 17? Yeah, 16, 17. How old was Owen? Was Owen around the same? No, Owen was 18, 18. at the 98 World Cup. Damn, so White Pele actually kind of <laughs> did line up for a split second. It kind of <laughs> did make sense. Because I'm trying to think, okay, so who are just great players that we knew of at no, 17? No, no, but, but, but for me, Fatsy easily better than both Rooney and, 
or one at this age. Easy. I thought like, you were gonna say Pele. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> come on, no, come on. Look, dude was, was doing it at, at, at the freaking World Cup, man. The guy that's just wait. So wait, so Pele was what he was seventeen in that World Cup? Or I think 18? so. I think so. Jesus. Blacks, man. Sample football, dog. So yeah, yeah, but no, he's super. When's his birthday, by the way? Like, is he? Oh, ne- at the end of yeah, same month as mine, October thirty, thirty first. Cool, cool. So Halloween birthday. Yeah. Did you see that he couldn't win Man of the Match yeah. because <laughs> the Man of the Match award is sponsored by Budweiser, yeah, yeah, yeah. and because he's under he's age, under they age. can't give him. <laughs> that's that, that's hilarious, man. <laughs> ah, that's so funny, man. And he's represented by Messi's brother or something like no, no, that. No, 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 he's. So... I, th- I think no, he he moved over to Jorge Mendes. He huh? he dropped him and moved to Mendes. Good decision. Yeah, he'll he'll be at Wolves in five years, but good decision. <laughs> no, that'd be wild. No, no, no. Look, I said, look. My thing is, we could be seeing the future. We we could be. Is it weird that like you could almost be someone's dad? Like actually, the numbers could make sense if you do the math. Like seventeen. Like that's gonna be really what like five years from now, I think I'll be old enough to be like people's dads. Like if I had a kid at like eighteen. <laughs> oh no no yeah I mean it's like again I'm oh. not I'm not gonna give my age away but I could feasibly somehow be like an answer that is possible because I, I isn't know... that wild though that like there are kids that are old enough to be our children balling it's... out. No, no. Get a man of the matches when they Basically, can't even as, get man of the matches. As you get older, because remember, like when you started watching football, everybody was much older than you. Like, oh wow! Then you reached the time when, like, we're now the same age as a lot of these guys. You're like, my God, look at what these guys are doing at my age. That's me now, now. That's me now. I yeah, think. yeah. So now you're now seeing guys much younger than you. Pretty much, the two thousands are here, man. Like, whew, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> I'm really not comfortable. Um, but yeah, man, shout out Fatty. Um, stay off the bleaching wait, 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 cream, wait, wait, though. Wait, wait, so, wait, when did you turn 30? 31st August. So, I've been 30 wow, for a couple man. weeks. Welcome, welcome to the to the 30 club. Bro. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, man, Fatty, stay off the toning cream, please. Yeah, man, wait, why do guys bleach, man? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this black thing it ain't that but also you're, you're, you're still going to experience racism even if you bleach so it's not going to change change, change that so. allegedly allegedly I'm just going by the pictures maybe you know maybe it's lighting who knows oh, no, no, what's it um, called um, Traore is definitely bleaching now that is a fact maybe that it's fact. there's something going on with Barcelona and what they do with black players <laughs> like from, from their academy what's going on there what's, what's that I, I need to do a study we have two examples already so three Three will give me the concrete evidence that I need. So um, I'm on the lookout. Champions of draws this Thursday. I'm not really big on draws. Like, I don't no, like no. talking yeah, about, um, oh, who do you think is going to go there? I think UEFA is going to do this. I think the Europa League will be this. I mean, you guys have no idea. And you're just speculating to speculate. I want to see blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I guess traveling is happening. So people can now go. From country and to do country. two legs because I think that's what they've been doing in within the, the, the qualifiers. So the two two legs are now back. Um yeah, man. I mean, look, as I said again, like I thought that it would be very weird watching a champs, specifically a final with no fans. But I've I've actually like it's it really didn't did not bother me. You get yeah. used to it. You oh, get used to it. Like I watch a lot of games on mute. And I used to watch a lot of games on mute, so really it's not that much of a big deal because obviously the, the atmosphere you do miss that atmosphere a bit because it just adds to it um but yeah man it's like i'm like yeah this is because i don't watch football to look at the fans <laughs> it's like an, an extra thing i watch football to look at the, the amazing players play the game at, at, at the highest level so, and and what they've done with the seats with like the tarps and the messages on the tarps mm. you almost get a, a an idea that they're not in like a place where people are supposed to sit anyway yeah it's like I don't know. They're in some, I don't know, just some yeah, yeah, some like sporting facility. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but but actually, it, I think Syria and I think La Liga as well. They've they've actually allowed people to come in, but obviously social distanced. Mm. So fans have actually, but it's just that like England have handled this thing so trash that they can't even do that. But yeah, in Italy and Spain, there have been fans. All right. So this has been the Talking Texas podcast. Thank you for listening. As Thank always. you guys. 
follow us on the social medias twitter instagram facebook all the yep. links are, are in the description um if you want to help us out monetarily remember to support us on on patreon if you give don't have money. the money at least give us some likes um you but if you have the money but <laughs> it's a pandemic you can't just assume people are are yeah, you go, know wealthy go rob a bank or just steal <laughs> You, you can steal $36 out your mom's purse. It's okay. Yeah. Come on, man. Just steal that stuff. Man. Or like if she's going to care. Steal $3 out your mom's purse, out yeah, your grandma's man. piggy bank. Do what you got to do. Like, we can't advise that. Come on. Man. We are aiding and abetting criminal behavior. So? <laughs> anyway, anyway, fo- follow us on all the social medias. Follow us on uh, Patreon, all that good stuff. And yeah, we will see you guys next week. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always footballer. Indeed. See you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.